Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the Omnitalk Ask an Expert series. I'm your host, Chris Walton, and I am the fa- one of the founders of Omnitalk, the fast-growing retail blog that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are shaping the future of retail. Joining me today and here to speak with all of you is Julian Mills, the CEO and founder of Corso, and now I am proud to say an official member of the Omnitalk Three Timers Club. Julian, welcome to the show. Oh, well, Chris, thank you very much. It's great to be back again, um, and third time's a charm. It 100% is, it 100% is. We have to figure out what to do to celebrate it. We don't know, we've been you know, talking about tweed jackets or t-shirts or coffee cups, but we're gonna come up with something and we'll send it to your way out there out there in England at some point. But, uh, but man, it's great to have you back. Now, for those that are joining us live, before we get started, I just wanna make a quick reminder that Julian's here to answer your questions as well as we talk. So feel free to ask your questions to Julian or to me at any time by way of the chat session uh, in the window in LinkedIn. And please, please don't be shy. This is a very hot topic in terms of how we can help our store teams during this holiday season. And Julian is here to and able to answer any and every question that you want to throw his way. So Julian, let's get started. Let's get, let's get right into it. I mean, the title of this, of, of this uh, talk is Store Teams Are Drowning. And there's a reason we titled it that. And there's a reason you wanted to come on the show today. So what, why, what, what inspired you to come on and talk to us about uh, that topic here today? First of all, stores are under more pressure than I think at any time in my career. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to get worse as we head into the, into the holiday season. Yeah. Okay. Why is that? Store teams are just being given more and more to do. Right. You know, they have more tasks, more data, more apps, more reports coming their way. Huge amount. And by the way, that's only got worse as um, the world's gone omnichannel because now they're picking up several different channels at once. Right. So there's just too much coming at them already. Just, you know, yeah, on top of their kind of stores. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think I, I think that's the first one. Um, I think the second one is that uh, you know, a lot of store teams are kind of getting disengaged. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much for them to do. It's been such mm-hmm. a tough kind of two years mm-hmm. that you know, as you know as well as I do, about 60% of all store store colleagues are leaving the industry every year. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a huge number. And so um, right, you know, they're working with new colleagues. They're finding, you know, new ways of having to do stuff. They're having to get upskill very quickly. There's just this huge pressure on people who are, you know, to be honest, somewhat disengaged. Mm-hmm. So, so, okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, I never thought about that. Yeah. So you're saying that there's just a ton more work because yeah. the omnichannel nature of everything that's come along since the pandemic has pushed just an insane amount of work down to the store level from curbside pickup, shipping from store, and yeah. probably all the other things that you're having to do in relation to COVID too, like in terms of safety protocols and whatnot. And yeah. then also the second factor, which I hadn't thought about it too, is just the, probably just a lot of disengagement right now at that level as evidenced by how hard it is for us to fill jobs, at least over here in the States. I don't know if you guys are seeing the same thing over in London, but yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly the same. And, and, and then I think the third thing, which kind of ties into that mm-hmm. is that, you know, to a large extent, we still run stores the same way we did 20 years ago with, you know, district manager turning up every week or two weeks and kind of walking around. And those traditional kind of store processes mm. are just too slow. You know, Got in it. a world where you might know that you're out of bananas within 10 minutes, you know, why are we waiting two weeks, you know, for a district manager to kind of turn up and help fix that? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That means, yeah, right. Like if you actually need help from like a headquarters type or, or, higher level, yeah. you know, field operative, like it's tough to get, get the response that you need given all the conditions that they're facing too. So yeah, that's, well, so yeah. what do you, so, okay. So 
I mean, that all makes sense, I think, conceptually. And I think most people would agree with it, which is why I think the attendance for this event mm-hmm. has been so high. What are you seeing retailers do in response to that typically? Like, how are they trying to put out the fire, so to speak, right now? Yeah, so I think there's one theme that everyone's talking about, which is okay. agility. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Agility. Um, and you've probably heard that a lot, Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I probably have. Yeah. It's, I mean, sometimes I could even argue it's a little overused, but I think yeah. in, in the case of you guys, I think you bring a unique spin to it, which is why I love having you on the show. But yeah, tell me more about, you know, what you're seeing in terms of the application of that word. Different retailers are using it in slightly different ways. Okay. But you know, what everyone is looking at, as far as I can see it, is basically how do I simplify work for my stores? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do I take work off my store teams? How do I prioritize where they spend their time? You know, how do I streamline processes? How do I think about engaging my store colleagues? Mm-hmm. And how do I think about kind of rapidly responding to issues and learning from those? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of nimbleness that everyone's trying to kind of focus on. And by the way, you know, yes, I, I you know, I work in tech. Tech is a small <laughs> part of this. A lot of this is about you know, the operational changes that people are making. And in some cases, the kind of people changes they're making too. As we hear this term agility, and you just described, yeah. you know, kind of what you're seeing people try to do. What, what, is the, what does the term agile retail entail for you, you know, in concept when you're out talking to companies or trying to help them, you know, combat the three things you talked about before, the disengagement, the work, and just the outdated processes? If I were to boil it down, for me, it's mm-hmm. about simplicity, speed, and engagement. And I think okay. that, you know, tech has a, has a part to play in that, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that pretty much every retailer I'm speaking to at the moment has this kind of dream technology they'd like, which is basically a single unified store app that kind of brings together all of the kind of different tasks and data-driven alerts that, um, you know, each store colleague should do each day, prioritizes them and says, hey, Chris, just go do these five things today. Right. And by the way, let's then burn all our other reports you know, let's, you know, switch off all our other apps. Yeah, let's, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I can remember back to my days at Target. Like, I think that was how everyone conceptualized that the world worked. And then having worked yeah. in the stores, like, and actually living it, it never actually happened. But yeah. no, sorry, but keep going. Yeah. That's well, no, great. No, no. So, so I think everyone wants that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the, the simple truth is that what we're doing is about as close to that as you can find at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, I, I think what's interesting is in the past, probably over the last four or five years, lots of people have done lots of stuff to kind of think about how you bring kind of compliance tasks, yeah, mm-hmm. into an app. And that's right. great. Right. But that's only part of the solution because you've got all that data and all those reports, essentially, you're still throwing at people, sales reports, shrink reports, damages reports, all that kind of stuff. And so I think what everyone's now saying is, well, how do we bring it all together? You know, how do you in one place tell me that I've run out of bananas on aisle seven and also tell me that I got to, you know, congratulate Bill because it's his birthday today. Right, right. Which is important, actually, at that level of of operations. Um, But okay, so if we can conceptualize it, I mean, what makes it so hard? Is it that it's a balance of art and science to make it happen? Is it, uh, you know, is it technology is now at a place where we can get to that point? What's made it so difficult in the past and and how's it changing going forward in your mind? The task bit of it hasn't been hugely difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there are several very good, you know, vendors out there who do tasks well. And, you know, a number of the big retailers have built their own solutions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the hard bit of it has been 
the data-driven alerts. You know, how do I bring together data from maybe, you know, 14 different systems or 14 different use cases, mm-hmm. you know, sales, waste, CSAT, mm-hmm. you know, shrink, et cetera. And how do I turn that into simple things that, you know, someone who's new to retail can go do tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's that bit that's hard. And I think if you speak to pretty much any large retailer, they'll tell you, yes, we've had a project working on that, you know, but actually we've been working on it for five years and we've got nowhere. Prioritizing tasks is pretty easy, right? Like fundamentally, like that just takes someone doing that prioritization work, but doing it with a level of insights that's derived from all the information that's out there in very disparate universes for retailers, doing that in an informed way to then decide how to prioritize tasks in the right way for everyone and to do it in a way they can understand simply, that's really where the art and the technology comes into play. Well, I'm saying that there are really two different things here. Okay. Yeah, there's kind of rote tasks, mm-hmm. which are, you know, check the cooler, you know, do this, set out this new planogram. Yep. Yeah, which are just like, do this, have you done it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'm saying there are kind of smart data-driven alerts. Yeah. Okay. Which are, hey, you know, you're selling 400 bucks less peanut butter today than you should be. Go and, you know, but we know you've got stock. So go check these three things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's the latter, it's the data-driven alerts that people have found hard. Got it. So it's it's finding that it's finding the data-driven alert that tells people what is important or meaningful based on some subset of criteria of data for them to take action on. Right. And then that that, so I'm if I'm hearing you right, that then gets prioritized inside their just daily workflow as something that's exceptionally important. And I use that word exceptionally intentionally, right? Yeah. And, 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 and I guess, Chris, I mean, to your earlier question, why is it hard? Yeah. The reason it's hard is because it's personalized. Yeah. So okay, to give you an indication, more. in a typical thousand store chain, mm-hmm. in any given, on any given day or any given week, only four of them will get the same top, will get, will, will get any of the same kind of data alerts. Really? Yeah. Okay, so you're seeing that in Why is only, that? Well, because if you think about it, every store sells quite a big range. I mean, you know, maybe you sell 5,000 SKUs or maybe you sell 50,000 right. SKUs. But, you know, actually, that's still a lot of different areas that can, that can go, kind of go wrong. Mm-hmm. And so the probability that any store is going wrong in the same area is actually quite low. Hmm. Yeah, so, so that's, that's one point. Yeah, That's fascinating. Okay, we got to click into that more too. Okay, keep going. I want to come back to that. Okay, um, so I think that's, that's one issue. I think the second thing that's really hard about them is there's no single kind of cocktail recipe for coming up with the best alerts. So let me give you kind of really tangible example. Okay. Um, when we work with, for example, grocers, what we typically find is that in the first two months of working with them, you can drive a lot of value by finding structural problems that get overlooked. And let me give you an example of a structural yeah. problem. You know, my sales of cookies or my sales of breaded chicken, maybe, um, you know, are always a thousand bucks lower than they should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, when I go and have a look, I realize that the planogram means that certain SKUs are hidden behind a pillar and they never sell one. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So that's yeah. the kind of thing that we just become snowblind to working in a store. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk past and you just never noticed that before. Yeah. And data can help you identify these kind of structural problems with your store. Got it. But after about two months, you know, people can start to kind of go, well, yeah, you know, I've done that. So what now? And so you mm-hmm. want to start looking more at things that start to drop off. You know, why are my bananas suddenly falling off? Mm-hmm. You know, 
-hmm. Why is my shrink suddenly spiked? Mm -hmm. You know, why am I suddenly, you know, um, I, I don't know, you know, why am I suddenly um, putting a lot more, you know, mangoes into waste, for example? Right. Right. Mangoes. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good grab out of the brain there. I like that. No, but that, I mean, that makes sense. So like, yeah, initially there's probably some structural things that can be identified quickly, but then over time finding the things that continue to show that, you know, pop is quote unquote a variance are probably harder to tune into. But I want to come back to what you said before, because I think it's really fascinating. The point where you said like the issues that you find at the store level are really varied by the store level, because that's very different than how retail's operated. Retail's always been about build a prototype, rinse and repeat, you know, it works in one location, it's going to work in another location. And as a result of that, a lot of times the headquarter direction has always been top down in terms of what they're commanding the stores to do to drive the, the most sales or to be the most productive that they can be. And you're saying that what you're seeing actually flies in the face of that traditional practice from the data that you're, you're you guys are looking at at Corso day in and day out. Is that right? Is that if that's that's true, that's pretty that's a pretty phenomenal epiphany, in my opinion. Yeah, well, Chris, I think that is right. I mean, I think, okay. you know, getting everyone to run a decent store, most retailers have now done. Right. You know, the next curve is like, how do I get every store to be as good as it can be? Right. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of value there. Yeah. And I think that's the journey that people are going down. And that's what you need these kind of personalized alerts to help you with. Okay, got it. So, um, all right. So let me, let me shift gears on that then, because I think the next question that comes to mind for me is, okay, using the data and the science to inform the retailers and the store operational staff, what they need to do on, on a given day is one thing, but how do you actually convince them to do it? What are you guys learning in on that side of things? Cause th those are two really different, you know, sides of yeah. the equation here. I think we're learning a lot. Yeah. Okay. So, so to give you an example, one of the things we're learning is don't ask people to do too many things at once. Okay. So what yeah. we find is the completion rate on, you know, alerts number six through 10 mm -hmm. is probably somewhere between 30 and 40% lower than the completion rate on the first five. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's, so that in other words, natural people, in a lot of ways, but yeah, okay. but you know, give people five things to do when they've done them, give them, give them another five. Don't give them 15. Yeah. Got it. So simple yeah. things like that. I think, you know, another one that's quite interesting is, um, you know, people get really upset about getting bugged about the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what we see is that, you know, the completion rate, the improvement that people drive on something that's shown to them new, as it were, something new that's shown to them is twice as good as if you showed them something they've looked at before. Huh. Okay. Yeah? So yeah. you've got to kind of keep mixing it up. You know, if you keep on telling me to go and look at the cookies, you know what? I glaze over. Right. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you tell me to go look at the cookies, go look at the, you know, bottled water, go and look at this. Yeah. Yeah. You go, wait, you guys are managing that all behind the scenes. Yeah. So like you're metering in the amount of amount of tasks that you have to do. Is that is that kind of how the system works? Like you meter that in and intentionally try to not show them more than like five in a given day. Yeah. So yeah. So fascinating. Think of it as like a giant um, set of switches. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. in a kind of recording booth or something like that. Yeah. 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 Effectively, what you're doing is you're running for most of our retailers we work with. You're running at maybe a ten billion, maybe a fifty billion dollar sales line yeah you know and essentially what you're doing is by moving those switches around you can optimize the daily behavior of thousands or tens of thousands of store colleagues wow yeah? okay got it and so you're already using the feedback that's coming back from that to kind of go oh you know i want to tweak the cocktail a little bit yeah 
Does that does that make sense? It does. It really, yeah, no, it it totally does. And and the fact the fact that I your analogy is really great too, because I've got this whole like regression kind of modeling going in my head where it's like, okay, we're gonna meet her this five in today, and then tomorrow yeah. we're gonna meet her in another five. And then, oh, by the way, like you said before, we showed you that one yesterday. So you're not gonna get that one today because we know if we give that one to you two days from now or three days from now the overall impact on the total sales line is going to go up, right? That, that I'm thinking about that the right way, right? Which is yep. it's pretty freaking cool when I stop and yeah. think about it. So yeah, that, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I've never talked to you about that before. So it's fascinating to think of that you guys are doing things at that level to inspire the action that you want people to take. Um, yeah. All right. So let's, let's come back a little bit. Um, Cause I want to go back to your, your, you know, we've talked about, you know, the stores being on fire. We talked a little bit about, you know, in theory, um, you know, what can be done about it through kind of an agile approach mm-hmm. that you're describing and looking at data in the way we're talking about and inspiring people to the actions we're talking about. Um, but let's look at it. Like when you think about like what's causing the fire right now, what, what would you recommend that retailers go out and look to do to you know, help improve the situation? Yeah, look, I, I think you've got to grasp this nettle. Yeah, you've got to switch off anything you can. Okay. Um, and, you know, whether it's Corsair or not, you know, I think you need to look at this kind of technology that can actually sift through all the things you're asking people to do and focus them on the five things that, you know, Chris could, should do today versus Anne, if that makes sense. Got it. Um, so number one is cut. You got to find ways to cut back on what you're asking them to do. Yeah. And, and, and Chris, I mean, fa- fascinating anecdote about that. I mean, just, yeah. just one, of the, one of the things I find fascinating is we worked with a big retailer to bring all their damages data into, into the app. And by the way, this is fairly, t- you know, we tend to work with big retailers. We work with, I don't know, three of the 10 biggest retailers in the world. Yeah. And, and this one has been sending damages to, I don't know, 10,000 stores for years. Okay. Yeah? Okay. And what we found was that, um, it's actually really, really, really difficult to reduce damages for them because about 95% of their damages occur when a cooler breaks. Mm. Yeah. But of course, once the cooler's broken, there's not much you can do about it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you can't. where this is going. Okay. Yeah. No, no, I'm going to get it. So you can't fix, you can't fix it because the cooler's broken and you know, you can't predict that. So actually they'd be better off, you know, buying better coolers. Right. then they would be sending damages data to the stores because the stores can't do anything about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting from this whole kind of experience is coming out of this. And I guess it, for us, it was a kind of a failure, which is, you know, we spent all this time bringing damages data in. Yeah. They've now switched it off and they don't share any damages data with any of their stores. Right. And I regard that as a huge win. You know, here is, here is something where they were just wasting people's time, sending them data they can't do anything about. Yeah. And I think it's that kind of simplification that you need to be making right now. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. I mean, I'm thinking back to my time again as a store manager, like I could easily see how that would happen. Like, you know, the leadership team would be like, why are your damages so high? And they probably don't even have the correlation point, you know, to look at over time with your freezers breaking down. Like the actual connection points of those two data streams is actually really hard to do for a lot of retailers, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. So that's cool. What about, on the, what about on the staff turnover side? Like, you know, we've touched on that a little bit in terms of like, you know, how to engage you know, yeah. through the, through what we talked about before, but you know, what recommendations would you have for them in terms of you know approaching that situation right now? Yeah, look, I I think first of all, a lot of people are really trying very hard to kind of motivate, engage their teams at the moment. I think the kind of leadership and the, the humanity that people are showing is tremendous. 
I think speaking parochially, one of the things we see is that you've got to give people meaning at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so asking someone just to go, you know, just go do ABC. You know what? I might do that because I'm a good soldier, but basically you're asking me to be a compliant robot. Yeah. Right. Whereas if I show you three things and say, Hey, just go and figure out what's going here. And I'll tell you if you fix it or not. Oh, really? And then, by the way, telling them the next day, Hey, you know, you fixed that thing with the peanut butter you sold an extra 500 bucks the next day as a result. You know, that's kind of engaging. It's kind of gamifying for them. It's, it's showing them how they're making a difference at work. Mm-hmm. And I think what I find really, really exciting is when you see people who've been in retail, some cases for 20, 30 years, everyone goes, oh, they're going to be, you know, technology resistant and stuck in the mud. And for the first time, their eyes kind of come alight and they go, wow, I'm seeing how I'm making a difference doing my job. Yeah. Do you have an example of that, Julian? I'm curious. Like, do you have any case study or anecdotes yeah, yeah, where you saw that in real life? That's cool. That's a cool example. Yeah, a thousand. So, um, you know, I mean, uh, one from last week, um, you know, big home improvement store, you know, someone came up with a clever idea to, you know, move the lawnmowers to a different place in the store. I think someone went out, you know, outside the, um, outside the store, you right. know, the lawnmower sales increased sixfold. Yeah. Right. Yeah you know, in a couple of weeks. Now, of course, you can't always do that. And you can argue right. about a bit of cannibalization. But that person came away thinking, wow, I'm such a good merchant, because I, you know, I came up with this clever idea, and we sold out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, a cool point, too. Because I think, you know, part of what inspired me to put on this talk today, too, was, you know, the retails, I mean, there's a lot of retailers have been doing really well in the pandemic. And, mm-hmm. you know, the people in the headquarters, Ivory Towers have been reaping the benefits of that. And a lot of times, it's harder for the store employees to see the fruits of their labor, so to speak, in a lot of ways. And what you're describing is giving them the tools to see the impact that they're having on an individual level, to put everything in perspective for them, and to also engage them, you know, on a regular basis too, as a result of that. So your ivory tower point is interesting. Mm. It's quite, you're quite isolated in the store. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you you know this better than I do. I'm your own little island. And I think that, you know, there's one of the kind of powerful, um, behavioral things that you can leverage is of course competition between stores and people get quite excited about kind of well i sold more i sold more lawnmowers than these guys etc you can you can get quite a lot of energy around that yeah of course so well how do you okay so well that's a whole new topic okay so like how do you how do you do that like i mean like are we talking like you know how, how are you serving up that type of camaraderie and that kind of competition like in your mind like how would you advise people to think about that yeah i mean look um, I, I think lots of people do it anyway with leaderboards and stuff like that. I mean, spe- speaking, you know, for us, what we do is every time we show you how much more you're selling, we also tell you how much you've improved your ranking in that. So, okay. for example, you know, take the lawnmowers example. We might say, yeah, you know, you sold an extra 6,000 bucks of lawnmower, lawnmowers and you went from, you know, the 830th store in this particular area to the sixth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you give people the chance to kind of pile in and comment and congratulate and emoji and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, to that point, are you guys like integrated with like some of the, you know, cloud-based like concepts out there that facilitate those types of conversations now? Like where are you in terms of, uh, in terms of things there? Like where, where have you guys progressed since we last talked to you? Yeah. So, so, I mean, yes, is the simple answer. Um, one of the big things for us has been integrating into Microsoft Teams. Oh, know? okay. So as you know, Teams is the biggest commerce yeah. platform out there, 130 million users. Um, I think it's becoming more common uh, at store level in retail. And you can now, you know, literally plug 
call center teams in a day from you know your missions are coming via teams rather than via call center. So. Wow. So, so if I'm the lawnmower guy, I can be like, Hey, check me out, put the message into teams. And you know, if I'm sitting in Boulder, I can say, Hey, superior, check me out in superior Colorado. Check out what I did in my lawnmower sales today through teams. That's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Imagine there's going to be some questions on that one. Uh, all right, man. Well, let's close with this. Um, you know, you're, you're, like you said, three timer on the Omnitalk yeah. guest list. Um, I want to just close with this. I've never asked this question before, and I thought it'd be a good one to ask you as I was preparing for this. What is your what is your single favorite anecdote that you can share about what it's been like to take Corso to market? Like, is it a client engagement? Maybe a serendipitous aha that you didn't know? But you know, something from the point of point in perspective of being an entrepreneur, living it, trying to make this happen for you every day. I guess for me, it's, it's a moment, or okay. rather, two moments in working with any retailer. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think what's interesting is, you know, what we do is pretty new. Okay. And yeah, I would say every single retailer I work with starts off extremely skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. Bollocks, you know, right, right, right. <laughs> and then, and then, so for me, the first really, really fun moment is about eight days in about eight days in when I get a call from the VP of store ops. And he or she says, you know, I've just taken your app into three different stores. And um, I thought you were full of crap, basically. But um, <laughs> I've looked at the kind of what we call missions, which are these kind of alerts. I've looked at the missions you're suggesting to that store. And you're finding stuff that I haven't spotted in my last five years doing this job. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, of course, we find stuff that they would spot too, but we do find stuff like, you know, the pricing's wrong or there's an architectural problem with the store or planograms don't work in that store or something like that that they have not seen. And it's just so rewarding for them to ring up and just go, hey, you know, actually, I'm starting to believe in what you do. Yeah. So, so, So that's the first one. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. You got two. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Go for it. Yeah, and then the right. second one, I think, is about 30 days in. Okay. Yeah? yeah. Where I guess until that point, we'd be going, hey, great, you know, this store's just sold an extra 300 bucks of cookies or whatever. And they're going, great, great, great. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like keeping people happy, but it's all quite small. Yeah. And then they look at it and they go, wow, those stores are up, you know, 1%, mm-hmm. 1.5%, something like that. And I think they start to see the kind of power of compounding. Right. Which is that if you get, you know, lots and lots of store colleagues or lots of stores doing just a few things each day, you know, each of which might only add, I don't know, 200 bucks of sales per week. Mm-hmm. It adds up to real numbers, real money quite quickly. Right. And I think people struggle with that because we're so conditioned, you know, to think about big central initiatives. Yeah. Um, and so it's those two moments. It's that kind of, I was skeptical this works and actually it kind of does. And the second one is that kind of moment of excitement where they go, actually, this turns into real money. So that, that's cool. That, so that's kind of your aha moment. That, that first yeah. call is kind of when you get that first call, you're like, okay, we know we're onto something. And yeah. then, yeah, I got to imagine it's pretty cool to see people come to the realization of that compounding effect like you talked about. Like, you know, if we just focus on some small things unique to these stores at an individual level, over time, that starts to add up to a lot of progress. Yeah. You know, if we're doing this the right way and think about this the right way, I got to imagine that's, 
Yeah, that's got to be yeah. a pretty cool moment for you too when you hear that each time. But well, congrats, man. It sounds like things are going really well for you guys. Um, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. You know, I think now going on over a year, you know, multiple times. It's great to have you back. Um, to everyone that is tuning in live, thank you for tuning in. Again, we've been sitting down here today with Julian Mills, the CEO of Corso. Thanks for your questions via the chat on LinkedIn. Julian, if people want to reach out to you, want to learn more, get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Um, please connect on LinkedIn. Um, I, I keep an eye on that. Or, nice. or you can drop me an email at julian.mills at corso.com. Nice. Love that. The email drop and the LinkedIn drop. That's our personal favorite. That's awesome. That's why we have you on every time. This is a, always a really great, authentic conversation about what's happening in retail. And quite honestly, there's probably not a topic more important and near and dear to anonymize hearts than what's going on at the store level for store level employees right now. So for everyone tuning in, again, thank you so much. Julian Mills, CEO of Corso. And to everyone, as always, be careful out there.